Welcome to the Blockbusters and Birdwalks podcast. I am the curator, Garrett Chaffin Kirai. As written about and taught in the United States, the history of post-World War II movies often follows this pattern. Italian neorealism and responses to neorealism, the impact of TV, Hollywood spectacle, the French New Wave and responses to the New Wave, Cold War movies, social realism, movies from Sweden, Japan, and China, Hollywood's second golden age, New German cinema, third world cinema, Hong Kong, Bollywood, Australia, and New Zealand, the rise of the blockbuster, the impact of home video, corporate synergy versus independent production, CGI, international co-production, the impact of the internet, and streaming. We might add to this movie-centric list other sociocultural experiences, including civil rights agitation, anti-colonial independence movements, gender and sexuality-based advocacy, various wars, several epidemics, and more than a handful of economic crises. Then, we might sprinkle in some famous and influential people, both inside and outside the arts, like Kennedy, Gandhi, Kubrick, Warhol, Lucas, Thatcher, Reagan, Beyonce. Finally, we drill into specific movie titles and themes we're interested in exploring. In this idiosyncratic history of post-World War II movies, we continue with Memoir and Persepolis. Marjane Satrapi is a graphic novelist. She's also the writer and director of an adaptation of her most famous graphic novel, Persepolis. Before we unspool the movie, let's define history for a moment. The study of past events, the past considered as a whole, past events connected through someone or something, a continuous, typically chronological record of importance, especially of public events, and an historical play. That last one's interesting because a history is often the dramatization of past events as mediated and interpreted by performers who bring it to life. That's exactly what Persepolis is in that sense of what history is trying to articulate. It is the story of the past as mediated, amplified, and interpreted by an invested set of individuals, in this case called a graphic novelist turned filmmaker, bringing a story to life. But there's another nuance here, and that is recognizing that most of human history has been defined by the great acts of great and influential people over great systems of relevance like countries, states, and not the rather mundane story of everyday folks. Of course, that has not always been the case. But when we think back to our personal relationship with studying history, dating back to grade school, much of history is devoted to the great things that happened to great people while remaking the world. If we think about the American Revolution, it's very easy to say George Washington was a general and our first president after the revolution was accomplished. True, but there were thousands of other people helping him. And sometimes there should be space for those smaller stories. And so here's another one of those little interesting notes. There was a term that began to be bandied about by the 1970s, herstory. 
we realize that history has embedded inside of it H-I-S, his, and herstory, H-E-R, story, is an attempt to recalibrate what history can concern itself with. In this instance, the story of hers, of she's. This is a view of history from a specifically female or feminist perspective on purpose, self-conscious, and all. Okay, now Persepolis. Marjane Satrapi is a woman who was born in Iran, in Tehran, comes of age during the years the Shah is booted out of Iran, the Ayatollahs rise up and take over the country, and a revolution unfolds. We also realize that Marjane was sent abroad, but her life in Europe is not particularly good either. She returns to Tehran as a young adult, marries, has problems, gets divorced, figures out a new way forward, and eventually leaves Iran again, back to Europe, and the movie ends. The thing that makes this movie startling is, one, it is an animated memoir. Therefore, it is an animated or cartoon documentary. It is not trying to invent characters. It is trying to tell the story of Marjane Satrapi as she reflects upon her youth and young adulthood and expresses it first in a graphic novel that was much acclaimed and then transferred into a movie that she co-directed with her friend Vincent Parano. The pair of them, Satrapi and Parano, translate this movie into a rather winning story of one person whose life unwinds, develops, and uncorks a new adulthood during some of the most meaningful activities of recent Middle Eastern history. What do I mean? Well, there is the fall of the Shah and the rise of the Ayatollahs in 1979. From an American perspective, that ties in with the embassy being invaded and the hostage standoff, which more or less helped cripple President Carter's tenure in office and gave rise to Ronald Reagan. We also realize that this story of Marjane overlaps with Iraq's invasion of Iran on the heels of the rise of the Ayatollahs, perceiving the weakness of their neighboring country with the hopes of taking it over. This lasted the whole of the 1980s and cost both countries upwards of a million lives lost, most all of them young men at war, slaughtering one another. And at the same time, Iran lost its economic engine, lost its connection with the wider world because the Ayatollahs largely restricted Iran to a war footing and were repressive towards the young, but especially girls. On top of that, we see a gradual cooling in some ways of Iran, especially in cities, as some of the elites who never left, like Marjane's parents, begin to bring into Tehran the culture of the wider world. For Marjane, this includes music of the West, where we get a really fun experience of seeing her as a late teenager blossom into adolescence and then choosing to exercise. Rising up, back on the street, did my time, took my chances. When the day's done, now I'm back on my feet, just a man and his will to survive. When we consider history writ large, like those earlier definitions I shared with you, we often guess at what we don't know about because the established record is often incomplete. Just being silly. If you can remember what you had for breakfast one week ago today, you have a leg up on me. I don't know. The fact of that is, 
much of history can only be guessed at. We often fill in thoughts and emotions and behaviors we imagine to be correct, given how we imagine we will behave in a similar situation. But here's the magic of animation. A moment ago, I mentioned there's a winning sequence where Marjane enters puberty and her body begins to change. And she describes some of those changes, changes you may have experienced yourself or witnessed in others. On screen, we watch her face turn into an almost Picasso-esque cubist representation of a human face, which correlates with the mood, emotions, and experience of being an adolescent whose body is quite out of control. We also watch her describe that she grows longer, and in an instant, suddenly one of her legs just becomes way bigger and longer than the other. This presents something that we can't otherwise represent in an objectively true, journalistically factual way, but animation allows us to bridge the fantasy between what we feel and what we think the past may have been like and what we're trying to communicate. In other words, Marjane Satrapi writes a graphic novel called Persepolis, the story of a childhood beginning in 2000, and the second unit is called Persepolis, the story of a return from 2004, when she is in her 30s. The story that she represents in that graphic novel kicks off when she's roughly 8 years old and stops when she's roughly 25 years old. It is all retrospective. It is all a consideration of her very narrow field of view where periodically she was aware of some of the global political machinations that were surrounding her homeland of Iran. And here's another detail. She speaks fluent French. She's not restricted to the language of her homeland, but is able to deal with European culture, which makes her ideal for seeing Europe and her homeland of Iran both through the twin prisms of being an outsider and an insider wherever she may go. This is translated into a movie released in 2007, first at the Cannes Film Festival in May of that year, where it was well-received. It didn't make the rounds and open in the United States until December, and that was only on seven screens, where it was trading against the likes of National Treasure Book of Secrets, a blockbuster starring Nicolas Cage. Placing those two movies in conversation with one another is to suggest that there is always a main line of action and adventure excitement, which doesn't require linguistic translation that most people will enjoy and I have enjoyed, but there's also a place for this more obscure and weird sort of a story, in this case, of a girl turning into a woman in the transition from a modern Iran into a revolutionary period of Iran as a nationalistic Islamic state in the 1980s, which reflects upon our relationship with the Middle East as Americans, but told from the inside perspective where there is love and beauty and family connection. What Persepolis then arrives at is a set of moments from Mar Jane's life that typify something important just to her that may not have been of value to others. As a creative person, she selects historical details. And the winning viewer will notice how sometimes her work overlaps with other outside references becoming intertextually valuable. For instance... On screen in Persepolis, she becomes aware of Terminator 2 Judgment Day, and we see the Arnold Schwarzenegger Terminator robot machine with a shotgun on screen. We will focus on unexpected sense memories to reveal behavior, to reveal emotion. For example, 
Marjane has a very wonderful relationship with her grandmother, and her grandmother offers her various tips. We listen to and watch Marjane grow up around adults who enjoy having parties, listening to music, enjoying alcohol, having arguments, and how she does that herself as she grows older, but having to always hide from the authorities or else go to prison. We have dialogue that can be nuanced to represent different parts of life, different employment statuses, different class positions, and there's lots of intertextual references, like that T2 note I suggested earlier. Altogether, the memoir is an historical account of a given person about a series of events that they experienced from a first-hand position, which means the memoir is a document of living proofs. However, a memoir is not 100% trustworthy because the way a given person may perceive an event is not entirely accurate all on its own. That's an objection that many mainline historians have with memoirs. They cannot be trusted without outside verification, or else they need to be held up as one version of events, as lived by somebody who was involved in events. Also, the memoir tends to quite purposefully tread on emotional appeals. It wants us to feel connected with the memoirist, in this case Marjane Satrapi, who is attempting to tell a story from her point of view about things that she values or finds fearful, and we are meant to feel the same way she does as surrogate audience members watching the movie about her life. This movie is successful in that effort, but it also leaves plenty of room for the more archly typical chronology of events that are publicly available, that are sourceable, and that can be verified by others looking at the same resources from which you built your interpretation. The memoir steps out of that by suggesting a person's memories and feelings about what they experienced may be more important even if they got the day of the week wrong when something important occurred. Thank you for listening to the Blockbusters and Birdwalks podcast. My name is Garrett Chaffin Kirai. Boop boopity doo.